Hi, I'm Tina Desiree Berg, and welcome to the 34th. The great debate was about how to defeat the Soviet Union, and we won. Now we are told, now we are told that the great debate is about who gets to use which bathroom. This is a distraction from our real problems. Who cares? Of course, every American has a unique identity. I am proud to be gay. I am proud to be a Republican. But most of all, I am proud to be an American. That was Peter Thiel speaking Thursday night. Earlier this year, Thiel made headlines when he confirmed to The New York Times he personally spent $10 million to secretly fund a controversial lawsuit by wrestler Hulk Hogan's against Gawker Media. Hogan sued the company for invasion of privacy after Gawker posted a sex tape. In May, a jury awarded the wrestler $140 million. It was a decision that shocked many in the media. Gawker was forced to declare bankruptcy. In response, Wired ran an article titled, Gawker's Bankruptcy is How a Free Press Dies. Although the Gawker story appears to be about a sordid sex tape, it's not. It's one of the most important First Amendment cases in our history. Journalism that exposes the abuse of power is a fragile thing and is becoming more fragile by the day. Gawker had a reputation for no-holds-barred tones. That is true. Maybe sometimes it was tabloidish, maybe sometimes it was non-conventional. But that doesn't mean that it didn't also do adversarial journalism, or more importantly, that it wasn't, um, shouldn't be protected by First Amendment press freedom. We can't pick and choose which publications are permissible and which ones are not, because the minute we do, we are on the slippery slope of letting the government or powerful business interests or wealthy elites decide what kind of free speech is to be allowed. Peter Stern originally covered the story for Politico magazine, so I invited Peter on the show to discuss exactly what some of the sordid details were with Gawker and why it matters for broader press freedoms. Sure, sure. So, uh, I don't know how much you know about the Hulk Hogan-Gawker uh, case, but um, Gawker in, I guess, 2007, 2008, yeah. um, published... Uh, a short kind of excerpt of a sex tape that uh, <laughs> a sex tape of Hulk Hogan right. um, recorded of, of him having sex with his best friend's wife. Right. Um, and the Gawker published this, and then uh, Hogan, you know, had his lawyer send them a sort of cease and desist, you know, tell them to take it down. They refused. And so then Hogan sued them uh, in state court in Florida for invasion of privacy. He also sued them in federal court, but um, the federal court uh, struck it down, uh, you know, saying it was First Amendment protected speech. Um, but he succeeded in Florida, and it went to uh, a trial, and the trial awarded him uh, $115 million. Wow. In damages, wow. um, you know, basically saying that Gawker had violated his privacy. I mean, it wasn't a defamation case because right. it wasn't a lie. You know, he actually did have sex with his best friend's wife. 
Right. Um, they had the video, and, you know, they published part of it. And, you know, basically, uh, Hogan's people were arguing that, you know, this was pornographic, that they were just trying to, you know, make money off of him having sex. Um, you know, Barker's sort of defense was that, you know, he's a public figure, he's a celebrity. Um, he was, you know, he denied having sex with his best friend's wife, and he did. Um, and so they were just kind of reporting that, you know, he made his sex life a matter of public interest. You know, he had a reality TV show where he talked about it all the time. He would go on the Howard Stage and talk about it all the time. So it was difficult to argue that, you know, he, he wanted a privacy. Um, and, you know, what Hogan said was that, you know, Hulk Hogan is a character that he plays, and Hulk Hogan talks about his sex life, but uh, Terry Clem, you know, his real name, is a private person who was very hurt when um, this, this video was shown. Uh, Gawker later got evidence, like you would say, that um, suggested they obtained evidence actually. Right, this, this is a long story, but when Hulk Hogan, uh, when these sex tapes were originally recorded, Hulk Hogan said they were recorded without his notice uh, by his best friend. Like his best friend had cam hidden cameras in uh, the bedroom where he, you know, went and, and had sex with his best friend's wife. I guess because, you know, his best friend and his wife were presumably swingers who liked to film each other, you know, having right, sex with right. people. Um, <laughs> and so Hogan said that this was filmed without his knowledge, um, and the tapes were later leaked. And someone uh, ended up getting a possession of these tapes right. and hired a shady uh, attorney. I think he's been disbarred, but he was an attorney. Um, actually, in a weird sort of, I don't know if you say coincidence or just a weird situation, uh, this attorney later represented Stormy Daniels originally before <laughs> Abenati. That's wild. So, um, this uh, attorney basically reached out to Hogan's people. He, he had sort of done this kind of thing before. He was a sex tape broker. Mm -hmm. So basically, he was you know, softly extorting people, where it was like, hey, my client has a copy of this sex tape right, uh, right. that features you. You know, okay. would you be interested in buying the rights to it? Wow. Um, <laughs> and so he did this to Hogan's people. Hogan's people went to the FBI, and the FBI agreed to do a sting operation. Mm -hmm. So they, you know, told... Hogan's lawyer, all right, you know, say you'll meet him at the hotel and hand over the money and watch the tapes, and then we'll arrest them. And that's okay. basically what happened. Wild. They went, you know, the FBI went to hotel rooms, and the agents are in the one next door, and they wire it all up, and, you know, then you have the deal go down. And so they, uh, they watched the three tapes, you know, to verify them, um, Hogan's people, and, uh, you know, 
seller's people. And then they were like, all right, we'll agree to hand over the check. And then, boom, FBI comes in, you know, freeze, you're under arrest. They arrested the uh, client and the, you know, shady lawyer, although the uh, U.S. attorney declined to press charges. So, the reason that is interesting is that when Gawker got sued by Hulk Hogan, they, you know, were looking for evidence about, like, what's on these tapes, why is he so concerned about them. They uh, filed, basically, Freedom of Information Act requests to the FBI asking for details about the FBI sting. And the FBI originally resisted it. This is wild. The federal court. Yeah. A federal judge said, you know, you have to comply uh, if, you know, Hulk Hogan... Uh, signed a privacy waiver, mm-hmm. which he did as part of the, you know, lawsuit against Gawker, he needs to hand over these tapes. Right. And so they handed over the tapes to Gawker, but they were sealed. Uh, so Gawker's lawyers got access to them, but um, not, uh, you know, Gawker couldn't publish them. Right, right. And later... I believe the National Enquirer uh, reported what was on one of the tapes. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hogan accused Gawker of leaking the National Enquirer, uh, but the National Enquirer says they didn't get it from Gawker. They got it from the people who were originally selling the tapes. Right. Uh, which okay. I think is uh, very possible. But anyway, mm-hmm. one of the three tapes uh, that, you know, one of the three sex tapes that featured Hogan included him making chit chat with uh, his best friend's wife and saying some uh, unflattering things about uh, African Americans oh. using the N word, um, wow. saying some things about uh, homosexuals. Oh. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, wow. Gawker argued that that was the real reason that Hulk Hogan wanted them to take down the tape. Mm. They were concerned that Gawker had, would have access to the other tapes. Right. And would then report that he'd used the N-word and then he'd be fired. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't really a privacy issue. He was just trying to protect his reputation. Mm. Gawker did not have the other tapes. They only had the first one. But Hogan's people thought they could get the others, or that they already had them. So Gawker would argue that it wasn't really an invasion of privacy case, it was just Hogan was trying to prevent this from coming out. Despite that, uh, Gawker was not able to make that argument in court. Uh, The judge ruled that it was irrelevant. Right. Um, so they didn't get to make that case of the jury. The jury found that Gawker had invaded Hogan's privacy, uh, awarded them, I think, awarded Hogan $115 million, plus over $25 million in uh, punitive damages. And Gawker could not afford to pay that. And so uh, eventually the company went bankrupt and was sold to Univision. But that's not all there is to this story. You might be wondering at this point what Peter Thiel has to do with it. 
Well, it turns out that Peter Thiel was actually financing the lawsuit that Hulk Hogan brought against Gawker. And it turns out they did so because Gawker had outed him as being gay. How we found out about Peter Thiel's involvement is that Hulk Hogan actually dropped part of his lawsuit so that Gawker's insurance company would stop defending the claim. This is what ultimately led to their bankruptcy. Peter Thiel has publicly claimed that funding this lawsuit was one of the greatest philanthropic things he has done. And he called them a sociopathic bully. Yet he, who is he to decide which newsrooms are good and which ones are bad? Although it's understandable to see why he is outraged, this is a bridge too far. He set a precedence that powerful individuals, wealthy elites, and whoever, they, whoever can afford to can abuse the justice system and go after journalists. On that note, who's next? Those that criticize capitalism? I think it's also important to realize that Peter Thiel is a right-wing extremist who has supported many things, including funding research on the blood of youths being used to extend life, uh, James O'Keefe with ACORN, the diversity myth, and he's a, being a race realist. Uh, he supported Trump, obviously, and he also supports seasteading. And he supports seasteading because then it allows uh, individuals, wealthy elites, corporations to um, operate outside of go government's jurisdiction. No taxes, no regulation. They can have an Ayn Randian uh, party if they want. Peter Thiel has also publicly, publicly claimed that democracy is outmoded. Yet Palantir, one of his most famous of uh, businesses that he funded, was started with CIA funding. That's right. CIA has venture capital firm called QIntel that funded Palantir. And if we don't know who Palantir is, they are the organization that develops the software that allows ICE, many local Los Angeles, um, many local police departments, including Los Angeles, to track individuals and, and has very close ties to the national security state. So this is deeply hypocritical. And here's the thing. Peter Thiel is not the only wealthy elite who has gotten involved with media publications. And they are definitely distorting the viewpoint that Americans hold. We only have to look as far as Jeff Bezos buying the Washington Post, uh, Shelley Adelson buying the, the uh, publication in Nevada, Rupert Murdoch, who owns News Corp. And recently, in the most ironic of statements, the billionaire biotech individual that bought the LA Times in 2018, his name is Patrick Soon Cheong, actually stated that billionaires should not be allowed to own newspapers. Guess what? I think he's right.